When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. And we, we took a week off, Brett, because of reasons. Um, of course, that week followed Arizona's loss to Washington. It was a very competitive game, a very close game, a game that I'm convinced Arizona wins, if not for that horrible defensive holding call on Washington's you know final drive there. But regardless, Arizona's defense was bad, Arizona's offense was good, and they had lost that game. First of all, for the reasons, congratulations and mazel tov, Adam. Uh, that's first and foremost. Um, I mean, no, without context, someone might be like, what? <laughs> well, if, if people follow the Wildcat Radio 2.0 handle, like I know you all do and or should, Adam became a father last week and kind of threw us uh, our plans, uh, tossed them asunder quickly. Well, we, we delayed the plans. Yes. Like my. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We but, still had a big show plan last week. We're going to do that show this week. Exactly. Um you but know, thank go, you also. Yeah. Yes. Uh, also, for the, to, to go back to the content that the people are here for, you know, <laughs> trashing Arizona's defense. Um, yeah, it, you know, the Washington game was both f- frustrating, mainly, maybe mostly because of how kind of predictable it was and that it was yeah. going to it was going to be a lot of offense. Arizona moved the ball really effectively. Washington moved it even more effectively. The Pac-12 and also predictably, Pac-12 refs going to Pac-12 ref on another. No, they had a couple of just brutal calls that did not help Arizona at all. Well, and I I I, I seem to recall a number of times where they also seem to not know what they were calling for long periods of time, even after conferring. Oh, Uh, I assume that's just the case every time they blow a whistle and throw a flag that they really don't know what they're calling. They're like, we got to call something. That's just Pac-12 refs for you. Yeah. Um. So. You know that I, I think the I don't know if I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that Arizona would have won the game without the questionable defensive holding, uh, but I think like you and I have talked about, I would have liked to have seen Arizona have the chance there, to, with the ball within a score like with a chance to tie or uh, or win the game. Right. Well, that's what gets me is there's about five minutes left. Arizona's down three. And their defense is bad, right? Arizona's defense has not been good, but it's a third and long, throw and complete. The, Washington had gone for it on fourth down a couple of times. They're not going for it on fourth and 10, right? Like fourth and 11, whatever it was on that play, what it would have been. They're not going for it. They're, they're kicking the field goal. Maybe they make it. They're up six. Maybe they miss it. It's a three-point game. But they weren't stopping Arizona either. Right. You know, so like Arizona's defense, as much as they are, we're going to pan them, and they, they deserve it. They're not good. In my mind, they got that stop. 
Like they didn't stop them before they got into field goal range, but they got the stop that they needed. And I understand. I remember watching the game on replay, what the ref who threw the flag thought he saw, but that ref couldn't see what wasn't there. Like it was not a, even the broadcaster's like, yeah, that's not a that's not a holding penalty. That's not a good call. And I understand it was just, you know, they gave up a touchdown run on the very next play because if you're them, you've been just besieged like under siege the entire game, the entire week or two with the way you've been playing. You're in this game. You're like, we need to get a stop. We need to get a stop and give our office a chance. You get the stop, and then a, the yellow laundry comes out. And it's like, well, crap. Okay, we're not stopping them now, right? Like just like the air got sucked out of them. And from that point on, yes, Arizona drove down the field and got into a field goal range. Bad hold on that. Loop misses the long field goal. Arizona game's over. But no, I'm convinced that if Arizona gets the ball down a score there, they go and get that score. Because Washington wasn't stopping them either. I, it's it's hard to argue that point. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm going to make a, a hot take here. And I don't even care if I get fined by the Pac-12. I'm going to go instead and say it. Pac-12 refs are not good at their job, Adam. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, we take a week off and you come back with that fire? I mean, I'm just spitting truth at him. Oh, uh, oh no, and it's it's one of those it's it's one of those things where I I don't disagree and I'm also not convinced, you know, any college kicker is automatic on any field goal. Even if Arizona force it goes down and kicks a field goal, they force overtime, right? Uh yeah. but even if they get the field goal as long as they make the extra point, Arizona probably wins that game. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, but, you know, excuses are, are I, I, well, I agree that it was a terrible call and it's unfortunate it largely came down to that. There's also plenty of other opportunities uh, for the, for, for the Arizona Wildcats to have not lost the game. Oh, don't other- give up 516 yards of total offense and you have a better chance. Like, I mean, uh, I believe it was 595, Adam. 516 was just the passing yards. <laughs> or the net yardage, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, like, but and that's where any game, it never comes down to a call, but in a game like that, and that's what was disappointing because we knew Arizona's defense was going to have trouble with Washington's offense. Washington, up to that point, had been one of the better offenses in the conference. Michael Penix Jr. has been fantastic. We knew that was going to be the case, and the hope was that Arizona's offense, and we've talked about this, I've said this many times, we wrote it for AZ Desert Swarm, Arizona's offense has to keep up. Like, they're not going to win a game where their defense is going to be the offense. And the offense was basically doing their job. They were keeping themselves in this game. Washington scored, Arizona scored. Washington scored, Arizona scored. T-Mac had a great game. And the defense, for all the problems they have and all the problems they will have, in my mind, they got their stop to give their offense a chance. Maybe maybe Arizona doesn't go down and score that touchdown. You know, maybe Arizona doesn't get into field goal range and make the field goal if it's a three-point game. But it would have been nice to see them have that chance, in part because we want to see Arizona win a game. But because that's also, like, that's... That's football. That would have been such great theater to Arizona on the road, having the ball, you know, with a chance to do that thing. And maybe they score and give up a, a touchdown or field goal within 30 seconds on the play back the other way. Like, I don't know, but it felt like we were robbed of that opportunity as fans and as just football people watching that one. It did. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to look for positives, Jaden Delora, the every other game where he's great held true. Arizona just didn't win the game. He was terrific. T Mac, Singer, Cowing, Tanner McLaughlin all looked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe the more, I mean, if you squint at, when you look at the the defensive stats, and and if you if you watch the film, the guys that were inserted into the starting lineup, DJ Warnell and Jacob Manu, were the leading tack, tied for the leading tacklers on the team, and mm-hmm. seemed to play at least you know competently, uh, which is more than we can say for some of the guys maybe that they got snaps over. Um, but, you know, now we're heading into a bye week. There's a chance to kind of reassess. Maybe there's some more guys that, you know, come into the lineup. 
especially on the defensive side of the ball. We need to, you know, the, the secondary just looked rough in that game. You know, it's been the running defense that's been the problem this this week, this this past game against Washington. It was much more about the the secondary just getting straight up beat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that's it's a commonality in, in the Pac-12 this year. Suddenly offense is is king. Uh, and that's just not a good thing for Arizona's defense as they're trying to find their footing. Yeah, yeah. I know it puts a lot of pressure on the offense because the defense, and they're right, Jacob Manu was good. Like, he was solid, especially for a true freshman coming in. He did his job. He was getting into the backfield, getting the tackles for losses. He was competent. Jornel was, he's the one who got flagged for the penalty that wasn't a penalty. But Warnell looked like he belonged on the field. Yeah. Was it enough to make Arizona's defense good? No. <laughs> like, it's like, hey, they actually improved a couple spots and they still gave up nearly 600 yards of offense. You know, like, okay. But yeah, it, in terms of like, it wasn't a bad game. It wasn't the type of game you say, wow, Arizona took a step back. You know, they battled on the road in a reasonably tough environment. It wasn't a lot of fans there as normal for a homecoming game, given that the Mariners are playing and all that. But like, it wasn't a bad performance from Arizona, from this Arizona team. Giving up that kind of yardage and point total next year, the year after, I don't care how many points you score, you can't do that. But for this team, Arizona went on the road and they were in that game. You know, they had a chance, even after the missed, the bad call that led to the touchdown, Arizona drove down the field. And if they could have made that field goal, Arizona's down a score and for the chance for an onside kick with like a minute left. Probably don't get the onside kick, but like they gave themselves a chance to win that football game. They didn't, and they weren't expected to win it. They were, what, two touchdown underdogs going in, I think? So that Arizona competed. That Arizona's athletes, T-Mac, was good. Like, he showed every week he's getting better and better and showing more and more. You know, Singer, effective. McLaughlin, you mentioned, like, Arizona's skill guys, they stepped up. And the defense tried. Well, one thing that Arizona needed in that game was a, just a break to go their way, either a turnover or a, you know, forced break, i.e. a surprise onside kick early in the game. I didn't mind that call. I I actually think that was a fantastic call. And if you watched the replay, it was pretty darn close to popping out. And it almost went, you know, it went almost as well as it could have uh, been executed without them getting the ball, right? Yeah. Um, you know, to, to some extent, turnovers are... You know, whether you get them like a recovered fumble is purely luck. You know, maybe you can, uh, you know, put yourself in the position and and be coached to like attack the ball and force fumbles, but you're still not guaranteed of getting it. Interceptions are, are, are somewhat the same. And those just didn't happen in this game. And Coach Fish tried to manufacture that with the onside kick uh, and it didn't work out. But, you know, to to uh, call back to your column where you were prescient a month or so ago, Arizona has to outscore guys, and he was just trying to steal a possession there. Yeah. And Arizona, the, the frustrating thing is this was a winnable game, um, probably against a team that's more talented as opposed to the winnable game against Cal, which was going to be the one we look back on and are really sad about because I don't think they're more talented. No. Um, but, you know, it's... The funny thing is, if... <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier today. I don't know. I'm curious to get your take on this. How would the narrative be an Arizona fans feel if they had beaten Cal and the rest of the games, including this Washington game, gone the same way? Like they'd if they be had, feeling good. Yeah. Like, right? like you'd say like, yeah, you'd be saying like, oh, man, that's a good Washington team on the road. And yeah, we tried to outscore them. We it's we know our defense is bad and we almost we had a chance to win it and we didn't get a, a break to our way. And that's why we lost. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, it's it's amazing how much the narrative does that. Now the Cal game was still a, a painful loss because we, you know, clearly we should not have lost that game. Certainly um, not the way they did. No, but you know, it's this is I, I I hate I hate 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 to say like moral victories, but I feel like the the Arizona offense and just being in this game on the road kind of is one because they had a chance to win the game. So Arizona could be a team that doesn't give up a touchdown and still loses. Like there are teams in the Pac-12 who have accomplished that feat, you know, just this past weekend. So it could be worse. And that's where, you know, we watched Arizona last year and what they were doing and we, they battled, but they weren't good. Offensively, at least they're entertaining. You know, that Washington game, like last year, if Arizona gave up 49 points and I don't remember what they gave up at Washington state, but they gave up a lot of points. There was no way in hell they were going to have a chance in that one. This time they did. Arizona gave up 49 points and had a legitimate chance to win the game still. Because their offense has been that good and was that good, and can they play that? Well, they well the Washington like Washington's not a great defense. We talked about that last week or two weeks ago. Time has no meaning for me. Like when you have a baby, time doesn't matter. But Washington is not a great team. But Arizona was effective. Arizona was moving the ball. Arizona gave Arizona a chance to win that game. And for not getting a defense stop, a bad call, whatever it is, they didn't do it. But they were in it, and it was fun to like. It was an entertaining football game. And Arizona made it that way. It could have been a blowout, it, it but it wasn't. Yeah, and that's because Arizona was competitive. And yes, moral victories aren't the thing so much anymore. But if you're a two touchdown underdog and you're I don't know one score game in the fourth quarter, you kind of did more than expected of you. You know? Yeah. I mean, this game. If you look at the stats, if you if I had told you that Arizona was going to have 126 yards rushing, 400 yards passing, 7.7 yards a play, no turnovers you'd have said, hey, we might have won that game. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, you know, this game just kind of proved that Arizona is approximately one half of a pretty good football team. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like the offense, we're, we're, we're the, I'm going to piss some U of A fans off, we're the James Harden of college football right now. One half of a, of a you know, a, a complete, complete thing uh, in that the offense is really good and the defense is just non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where they are this year. And, you know, there was talk over the course of the bye week about some of the changes Arizona's going to make. You know, Jed Fish understands that defense is higher on the Pac-12, but what Arizona's going to be doing as they move forward with the rest of their schedule, because there's still a handful of games left. And, you know, USC, Utah, UCLA, Washington State, Arizona State, there is some winnable games on the schedule and some, including this next game, that seem less winnable. But there are changes that can be made, and you hope that they can, like, putting Warnell in the lineup, putting Jacob Manu in the lineup, in the starting lineup, maybe that does improve things just a little bit. And we know Arizona's defense doesn't have to be great. If the offense can do what it did against Washington, which just borderline respectable defense, Arizona's going to win a couple more games this season. You know, that's the nice thing. When you have an offense like this, your margin for error on defense is that much wider. Just like if you have a great defense, your margin for error on offense is that much wider. Arizona has, I don't know if they're elite because they weren't great against Oregon, right? And they weren't great in the second half against Cal. But Arizona's offense is capable of being elite. And if they play like that, then they're going to have a chance in every single game they play and just need a little bit from the defense. Just need that stop, need that stolen possession. You need that turnover or something to get them the ball that one extra time to win it. Yeah, that's that's, you know, we've talked a lot about them being a, having a puncher's chance. The defense is that is the one that needs to throw that punch. Uh, yeah. Right. And that, that needs to come in the form of a turnover or a timely stop or two, which they did against North Dakota State. And they've just struggled to since. And is mm-hmm. that a is that a trend or is that something to be corrected or not? Or is it just r- dumb luck? You know, we'll see. We will see. Well, 
Brett, you know, we talked about Arizona's going to make some changes coming out of the bye week as they maybe look to play some more younger guys and try to steal another couple of wins. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk to one of our favorite guests, Michael Lev of the Arizona Daily Star, who covers Arizona football, because if there's anyone who knows what's going on with that program, it's him. Okay, we're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And as promised, we are joined by Michael Love of the Arizona Daily Star, who covers Arizona football. I said, if anyone knows about this program, it's him. And we're happy to have him on the show. Michael, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy to be here as always. Yeah, well, the bye week, you seem refreshed, right? There was no news, nothing to worry about. Arizona took the week off, so you took the week off. I did. I, I enjoy the bye week. Maybe, maybe too much. Um, well, I think the best thing about it, honestly, is just getting to watch ball over the weekend. Like I usually, I mean, depending on what the schedule is, I can maybe catch a half here or a half there on Saturday. Um, and I'm working most of Sunday as well. So I can't really watch that much NFL. So just being able to kind of take everything in, watch some other Pac-12 games. Um, was really satisfying. And then, uh, you know, I, I love NFL Red Zone. It's one of my favorite things on earth. So just getting to sit there and, and do that as well was, it was a lot of fun. Like it's, it's not work at that point, but what is work, of course, is Arizona football. And I remember, I remember reading one of the things I, like, you know, we talked, I had a baby, so time has no meaning to me. I don't know when things happen, but I know they did happen. You wrote the piece about Arizona's defense, how Jed Fish mentioned how just no one's playing defense in the pack. It's really hard to do that. That's kind of not necessarily an excuse for why his defense has been so bad, but it's kind of throwing context. I'm curious your perspective, your thoughts on that, because we know the defense is bad. We know despite the defense being really bad, the offense generally gives them a chance to win, just like it did against Washington. But in terms of Arizona's defense, when you assess what you've seen and looking at the numbers, just... I mean, do they have a right to be as bad as they've been? Yeah, I mean, you have to put it in some context, right? And what I wrote in the middle of the week was just sort of uh, a follow-up to what Jed was saying and kind of actually put the numbers onto it. And I mean, roughly about a touchdown, a little less than a touchdown more per game scoring for Pac-12 teams this year. And I think the main reason for that is uh, you have all these new quarterbacks who've come in from elsewhere who are really good, or in some cases they switch from one team within the conference to another. But I think we know who we're all talking about here. Michael Penix Jr., just saw him. Bo Nix, just saw him. uh, About to face Caleb Williams. Um, Jack Plumber looked great against Arizona. Jack Plumber looked good against Arizona, (laughs) that's for sure. That's for sure. And Jaden Delore is obviously thriving in this um, system that Jed is is running. So, you know, he said all that and he's completely right about it. But he also said it's no excuse. So, you know, Arizona has to be better on that side of the ball. And to me, it's really about adjusting your expectations. You know, if your expectations are that Arizona is going to allow 17 points a game, or is going to achieve some sort of you know desert swarm level uh, of um, defensive stinginess. I mean that's just not going to happen. But if they can just get a little bit better in certain areas than they have been, they can win a lot of games. And to me, uh, it's it's very much what Hunter Eccles said to the media on Tuesday, and that is you don't have to get. You don't have to stop them every play, but you still have to get stops over the course of the game. So what does that mean? One or two takeaways. 
couple big third down stops or to force a three and out here or there red zone, like turning some of these red zone trips into field goals, all of that stuff would make a huge difference. And those are some of the things that they're just not doing on a consistent basis right now. So you talked about uh, adjusting expectations, which I think is reasonable. What I also think is, is reasonable that uh, Arizona, fa- Arizona football fans are asking is adjusting personnel to get to those expectations. Uh, you know, Coach Fish has already talked uh, pretty publicly about guys like Prysock getting more um, more snaps. Uh, and the bye week would seem to be a time to, you know, make some of those adjustments in personnel or or, or even any adjustments to scheme. Uh, do you have a sense of what that's going to look like coming into the USC game and for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think that uh, Ephesians Prysock, the freshman cornerback, is if he doesn't start, it's going to be maybe a 50-50 timeshare. I think he could start easily on the opposite side of Christian Roland Wallace. And then, you know, either he or Takario Davis would succeed um, Christian Roland Wallace, assuming he enters the NFL draft after this year, which I think is a distinct possibility. So there's one, we know Jacob Manu already has ascended to the starting lineup at weak side backer. So there's another, I think you're going to see more of Ty Ty Youngalale along the defensive line. You're going to see more of Russell Davis along the defensive line. I think you might see a little bit of Sterling Lane coming off the edge as well. Um, we've talked, you know, uh, in, in UA, you know, fan circles or uh, media circles about all the personnel that they're lacking on defense and the recruiting that they need to do and how many of their up- incoming recruits are defensive players. They actually addressed some of these positions in this past class, which is looking like a really, really good class. Um, they've got those defensive linemen. They've got the cornerbacks. What they don't have is line a lot of linebackers and a lot of safeties. So if you look at um, this upcoming class, bunch of safeties in there or athletes or guys who maybe can play that star position, linebackers still a little light. So I think that that's a position where the portal is going to come into play, especially that all-important middle linebacker position. Um, where they're going to need somebody to replace Jerry Roberts next year. That's part of the challenge, though, right? Because they went portaling for some linebackers, and it hasn't worked out necessarily for them. But it sounds like, from you mentioned, a whole list of young players, especially true freshmen or haven't played a little bit, are going to play more down the stretch here. It sounds like there's maybe some reason for hope. You know, reason that, okay, there's they need talent, but some of that talent is on the roster. But it seems like the portal, that's part of the challenge. If they're in the portal, oftentimes there's a reason. So, like, What's the how does Arizona get back to being not desert swarm, but something that's you know can put up a fight more than what we've seen the last couple of seasons? Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it comes down to having more dudes. You know, the more dudes that you that you have, um, the more effective your scheme suddenly look or your play calling, etc. Um, you know, when you watch this defense over the last few weeks, I'm sure you guys have watched it pretty closely and noticed some of the issues that they're having. Defensive linemen, they're not winning enough battles uh, one-on-one. They're not creating enough havoc. They're not slowing down ball carriers before they get to the linebackers. And that's putting the linebackers in precarious situations. Like I think that Jerry Roberts is a good and competent college linebacker, but I don't think he's a great space player. So when you when the running backs come in toward him and he has a two-way go, and there's, you know, not a lot of other bodies around, I mean, that's like a that's a losing proposition. 
Um, I think, you know, that star position, I like DJ Warnell in terms of his talent. He seems to be a very sure tackler. Um, he seems to have a high football IQ. I don't think he's good for that position, though. I think he's more of a viper, um, which is which in Don Brown's scheme was more of a linebacker slash safety. I think DJ's long-term position is the position that Christian Young is playing right now, you know, strong safety. Um, so it's a matter of finding the right parts, getting more guys who can come in and, and make plays, especially in that defensive front. Um, and, you know, you don't have to be great on defense to win a lot of football games. I mean, is are any of, you know, USC – UCLA or Oregon great on defense. I wouldn't say they're great, but they're opportunistic. And maybe, maybe that's the goal uh, in, in these, uh, in these offensive oriented times. So you mentioned a, the, a position group that I was wanting to ask you a question on and get your perspective on, because coming into the season, one of the position groups on defense, I think most Arizona fans and experts felt pretty good about was the defensive line. Uh, you know, even though, Modiallo and you know guys like Trayvon Mason, uh, I think were maybe a little bit underappreciated, and we're kind of seeing that this year. I, I've been number one on the Trayvon Mason fan club for a while, but you know I don't think losing out, uh, having JB Brown miss the season is the reason why there's 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 so much struggling on defense, and it seems like there's guys that have produced in the past or have at least on the surface have the the talent there. What's your read on why the D line seems to maybe be underperforming? That is a great question. Um, and I agree with your assessment that it was viewed as a potential team strength heading into the season. Um, I had high hopes for guys like Paris Shand, um, who has all the athletic traits that you could possibly want. You know, former basketball player, long arms, good athlete, tested, one of the guys who tests really well. Like he did track also in high school and hasn't really happened for him in terms of being a consistent disruptor. Um, Keon bars, I feel like is being double teamed more than he was last year. I don't have any actual hard data to support that, but anecdotally it feels that way. And his grades are, you know, on PFF aren't that bad, even though he doesn't have a sack this year, which indicates to me that he's doing his job for the most part, whatever job they're asking him to do. And that job, may entail occupying blockers more so than you getting after the quarterback. Um, Jalen Harris is another guy who like, I feel like he does a lot of stuff, you know, off away from the ball, carrying out his assignments and responsibilities has not been a disruptive playmaker though. You know, um, really the only guy you can say who has been that in that front is Hunter Eccles, uh, the transfer from USC. And, you need more than one to be sure. Um, you know, they were talking a lot, the coaches uh, this week about pad level. Um, maybe, you know, as the season goes on, you sort of, you drift away from having those sound fundamentals. And I don't know why it's not baked into the practice week since I always hear coaches talk about this, like all the time. Oh yeah. We're four weeks into the season and, we're getting back to basics. We're going back to fundamentals. I'm like, why don't you just do do that every week? If that's if that's like a recurring problem, right? 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a disappointing uh, unit to be sure. I don't have a, a concrete answer as to why they haven't been more productive. Maybe we overrated some of these guys coming into the season. I don't know. Maybe there's some techniques that they're, you know, that they want them to do that are new or different. You know, one thing that I was talking to a colleague about today was some of the most effective players that they've had are new guys. When Tia has been in there, he's been pretty good. DJ Warnell, pretty productive. His first game, Hunter Eccles, as I mentioned, most productive defensive lineman, uh, Jacob Manu, new guy. So wh- what is the distinction then between like maybe the new guys and the, and the returning players? Now, not that all, not that all the returning players have been bad. I mean, I think Jackson Turner and Christian Roland Wallace have been pretty darn good, but the new guys didn't have to unlearn as much, you know, maybe they haven't been through literally a different defensive coordinator every year as a lot of these veterans on the team have had to endure. So I think maybe that's a little bit of what's going on too, that, you know, it's just, it's hard when you have different position coaches and different coordinators, literally um, almost every single season. One thing with that too, though, I would assume like the new guys, they were brought in by these coaches to fit a system that these coaches want to run, which probably helps. And that kind of gets me to one of my next points is like the coaching staff as a whole. I know there's been some talk about Johnny Nance and the job he's done. And I tend to agree that defensive coordinators, they look a lot better when they have good players. You know, it's funny how that works where defense is a lot of reacting. What really is the game plan so much as cover the guy, go get the quarterback, make the right reads. But it's overall the coaching staff. They're three and four. Arizona's offense has been for the most part, very good. Defense has been for the most part, very bad. Last year of this time of season was like, okay, they're still selling hope. Like, hey, they're competitive. This season, they've won a few games, and they've been competitive in some others. What's the mindset with this coaching staff with regards to this team, and how do you assess the job the coaching staff has done with this particular team up to this point? Yeah, I think it's pretty consistent with the themes that uh, Coach Fish has promoted. You know, just incremental improvement, keep getting better, keep building, you know, make the next game the best game um, that you've played. I can't, you know, obviously you, you can't literally do that. I mean, it's it's impossible to um, improve in every aspect, every single game. I mean, they're, they're human beings. They, they make mistakes. Um, but I think that they all kind of view it that same way, that this is going to be a process, um, that you need to trust that process, and hopefully you see improvement year over year. And we've already seen it, right? They, they have already surpassed last year's win total by two. I still think that five wins is within the realm of possibilities here. Um, I'm not super hopeful about any of the next three games, but I think they could win the last two. Oh, they're beating well, ASU. They're, yeah. ASU, <laughs> I think, is a, they have a very, very good chance. They're, they're going to they're, they're gonna want that one really badly and more probably more than the Sun Devils will. And I think Washington State doesn't have a great offense. So that gives me hope um, <laughs> as well um, because the next three opponents, they all do. And there's a real good chance that Arizona is going to get steamrolled. Uh, you hope that they survive that stretch with their confidence and their roster intact. Um, you know, as far as Johnny Nansen goes, to as to your point about it's how much better you look 
as a play caller when you have better players. I and mean, look at Jed Fish. Everybody thought, God, Jed Fish, he's supposed to be this offensive guru and the offense stinks. Well, they're not saying that this year, are they? Why? Yeah. What's changed? Jaden Delora, Jacob Cowing, Tetero McMillan, you know, Tanner McLaughlin, who they, they found, Jonah Coleman, uh, DJ Williams. You know, they've got dudes on that side of the ball. Um, I think in, in college especially, you know, recruiting is, it's, a, I don't want to say it's everything, but it's almost everything. You've got to have the players um, in order to, to separate yourself. So I think you kind of started to go into that for like the, the remainder of the season, Michael. Um, you know, obviously there's the remaining gauntlet portion of the schedule that's going to be tough. And then there's, you know, potentially at least a couple winnable games with Washington State, the ASU. But, you know, you play the games for the reason and you, you know, to quote the great Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. You know, Arizona's offense has looked dramatically improved. Dare I say the offensive line has at least looked competent as the season has gone along uh, for their talent level. Um, I'm grading on a curve maybe here. Uh, but, you know, what's what's your temperature of, you know, the, the vibes in the program? You know, they're in the middle of a gauntlet. They still got another tough, they, you know, they got a couple of tough games with USC, UCLA, Utah. Uh, you know, there's, there's obvious improvement on offense. The defense is struggling, but there may be some changes. What's your kind of outlook for the remainder of the season? Yeah, I don't think that the like enthusiasm has waned at any point during the Jedfish regime, which is really impressive. Um, it could have. I mean, what were, they started what last year? Zero and seven, zero and eight, whatever it was. Before they, I think it was zero and eight, before they finally won a game, um, and they finished one and eleven. And you'd never know it from talking to Jed or talking to the players. So I think he's done a good job of keeping things in perspective. Of course, it, it is painful to lose. Um, no one likes it. Um, everyone gets upset and frustrated about it. Um, I do worry a little bit, you know, if these next three games go as badly as they could go on paper, you know, how, how that's going to affect, you know, team morale, um, which is a big deal. Uh, you know, I, that Washington state game, like it looks winnable on paper, but if they've lost a bunch of games in a row and they're looking ahead to ASU, it'd be easy to overlook Washington state, wouldn't it? And they've got a really good defense and uh, they play on the other side of the line of scrimmage uh, with that defensive unit and they can, they can get you now, you know, Jaden Delora facing his old team, that'll be a very popular theme that week. So I don't think, um, that anyone's really going to overlook WSU, but I also know human nature, you know, and I've seen that game before the territorial cup game be kind of a trap game for, uh, Arizona. So I think it's important that they, that they focus. Could they steal one of the next three? Not impossible, but a tall task, a really tall task. Um, I said going into that stretch of five games, I thought Oregon was maybe the best chance. They ended up getting absolutely blown out. You know, they allowed seven touchdowns in a row, um, which is obviously not good. Not good at all. Um, but they were very competitive against Washington, though. And I mean, I can't speak for the UA fan base, but I would, if I were a UA fan, I would be coming out of that game feeling pretty good about things. You know, like 
a lot of things went against them, and they were still down by only three points with 10 minutes left at Washington. You know, which is, I mean, when was the last time they played well there? You know, 1998? I'm convinced I mean, if that, not for that hold against Warnell on that one drive, Arizona gets the ball and goes and wins the game, too. Yeah, I, didn't, I never got, <laughs> I never saw a good replay of that play either. I, I wasn't able to fully watch the game over again. I was only able to watch the Pac 12 and 60 uh, feature on Pac 12 networks and, they kind of gloss over a lot of things and it's, it's hard to kind of go back and forth. It was a, it was a rough call. It was, was par it? for that. It was par for that game in terms of like, it was the back judge who made the call. He thought he saw something, which you could mm-hmm. see from his angle, why he may thought that but the broadcasters were like, that's a not, they're like, that's not a hold. Like no. that is not a good call. And of course, very next play touchdown. Yeah, ball game, that, but. that officiating <laughs> crew, I, I feel like every initial call they made was wrong. <laughs> Like, Nowhere to go but up, I guess. Right? Jacob Jacob Cowing's fumble. Remember when he kind of like got twisted down, landed on his butt? Overturned. Tetero McMillan touchdown. Overturned. Now, the weird like pitch play that they call the forward <laughs> pass, which is like just a ridiculous – I mean like who has such a clear angle on that play that they can immediately blow it dead and call it a forward pass? But it wasn't a forward pass. <laughs> and, it, and Right, and it wasn't a forward pass. So was every initial call was wrong, um, and probably that holding call was as well. Yeah, it happens. But uh, Brett and I talked about that, the Washington game. You felt okay about it because the offense came to play. They had a chance to win. They didn't win with all that went against them, but they were competitive. And like I said, I'm convinced that if Arizona gets the ball either down six or down three with five minutes left, they go and score a touchdown. I, I, I'm convinced of that. Now, the alternate universe, we don't get to see it happen, unfortunately. I mean, that was one of our biggest regrets is that we didn't get to see that drive happen. You know, we didn't get to see Arizona with the ball on the road down three or six with five minutes left. But regardless, yeah, this, this next stretch, these next three, of course, are not going to be easy. There's going to be double-digit underdogs in all of them. And, of course, to the if they overlook Washington State but then beat ASU, I could live with that. You know, I'll be honest. You know, if they want to, if they, if Washington State's a trap game because they go and crush ASU by 64 points, I'm cool with it. But <laughs> just as you look at this, this last well, stretch, why again, 64? I just a number that came to my head. I, I, don't, I don't know. Is like, that, this, is that one that... more? That's one more <laughs> than the margin from 2020. Oh, is, is that where that came from? Oh, I didn't even, didn't even, you know, just that was the number that came to my mind as a reasonable ask. But just when the way this season needs to finish out, right? Because Arizona's already won three times as many games as they had last season. Obviously, if they, to me, I think if they beat ASU, the fan base will be satisfied. But as you look at this season with what Jed Fish, what he called year one of the rebuild, his first year, what he called it anyway, what do you need to see to feel like this program is still heading in the right direction? Or have you seen enough, you know, as we start to wrap up here, have you seen enough to feel like, okay, Jed Fish has continued to move the ball forward and Arizona is still, you know, progressing the way it's supposed to? I guess, I guess what I would say is, do the next three games play out like the Washington game or the Oregon game? That to me is the differentiator. Um, Oregon game, not really competitive uh, from about the late second quarter on. Oregon completely in control of that game. Just looked like the superior team in every aspect. Washington game, feisty, competitive. They rallied. They were right there. And if they can, if they're taking USC, uh, Utah and or UCLA into the fourth quarter and, and being competitive in those games and they end up losing. I think that's a really good sign. Um, the fact that the team has continued to play hard from the first second of the game to the last is a good sign. I agree with you that most fans would be happy 
if they beat ASU at the end of the season. I think I would still consider a four and eight record a little disappointing, you know, given that they were three and two at one point, right? Uh, you'd, you'd hope it with, with that record at that juncture that, you know, five or six wins would have been within reach. And it's still, and it's still a possibility. Yeah. Right? It could still happen. Um, and then, you know, then we'll see where the recruiting class ends up. It's currently in the forties. I think there's a few commits that they're going to get here at the end that are going to move that rating up. It won't, I don't think it'll be as high as last year, which might disappoint some people. Um, but you also have to put faith in the scouting department that they've put together. And that includes guys like Dwayne Walker and Ricky Hunley and Chuck Cecil who have been, uh, you know, in, and in the NFL as players or coaches and have spent a lot of time evaluating talent. You'd like, you'd like to think that those guys uh, know what they're looking for. This first class, you know, a lot of the guys who are doing well, they weren't the most highly touted players. And they seem like they've uh, uncovered some gems and they need to do that again and again and again. Yep. Sounds good. I think, I think that's good here, Michael. We appreciate the time. Of course, you can find Michael Lev on Twitter at Michael J. Lev. You can read his stuff in Arizona Daily Star, the Wildcaster app, and the podcast everywhere. What do you have coming down that our listeners should be looking forward to? I know there's going to be great content out of USC, and if there's any other big projects that are, you know, post-USC, maybe not game-related, but, of course, Arizona football or even baseball as, you know, we get into <laughs> that time of year, too. What, what you got coming? Um, let's see. The next thing I'm doing, I believe this week's Cat Stats, which is this weekly feature that I do, uh, just looking at things from a strictly statistical angle is going to uh, be five areas where Arizona can improve in the last five games of the season. I don't know what those five areas are yet as we record this. We could, only, we'll get, only we'll five? get research on that. Only five. Five, <laughs> that, for five. five for five games. Yeah. Is that just defense only or everywhere? Because We'll yeah, see. Could... <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> could be a lot of things. Uh, and then I think I'm going to do, uh, there will be a feature on Hunter Eccles uh, leading into the USC game. I've been very impressed with Hunter, his maturity, leadership, uh, serving as a spokesman for the de- for the defense, uh, all of, and, and a productive player on the field as well. Um, so yeah, that's what's coming up. And then just all of our usual coverage um, from here to the finish line, uh, ASU on the day after Thanksgiving. Awesome. Well, that, look forward to reading all of that. Once again, Michael Lev. You can follow him on Twitter at Michael J. Lev. Michael, we appreciate the time as always, and we'll hope to catch up with you again down the road. Thanks, guys. And we come back. We'll give our final thoughts on Arizona as it heads into this USC game. We're back, and thanks again to Michael Lev of the Arizona Daily Star. Always great to talk to him because, you know, there's a lot of people that we talk to who have great insight on Arizona football, but when it comes to just getting I don't even know how to frame it. I'm tired. But like, like Lev is just one of the best there is at covering this team and talking about them and really letting you know what's happening and his perspective on it, what he thinks of this team too. And you get his opinion is very reasoned and really well thought out. And you're like, you listen, you're like, yeah, okay. I, I can agree with all of that. So thanks again to Michael Lev. Yeah. Plus Michael Lev is on uh fine from the PAC 12 watch after just, like along with me for criticizing the Pac-12 refs for getting everything wrong. <laughs> I, I will say he said he didn't, have, he didn't have the broadcast to go do his rewatch. And I always look forward to his rewatch. And I'm like, oh, I want to hear what he has to say about these plays. And it was like one. I'm like, oh, dang. Because that's something I really enjoy from him. But anyway, Brett, he mentioned like this this next stretch of games. And like normally, Brett, on Wildcat Radio 2, we try to bring on a guest to preview the, ne- the week's opponent. It's USC this week. We're not expecting Arizona to win. We decided to just kind of skip this one. 
And that's why we're going to have this mega show. We got Michael Lebb. We got another good guest coming up later. But, you know, this next stretch of five games, it's not easy, at least the next three. USC at Utah at UCLA. I remember when the season started, I thought UCLA might be the winnable one. And now that doesn't look to be the case so much. So, you know, I do agree with Lev's point, though. If Arizona can be competitive, it's more, if it's more Washington than Oregon over these next three weeks, that's a success even if you don't win any of them. I, th- I think that's fair, and that pains me as a competitor to say because, you know, at some point I want to do the if you're not first, you're last. If you're not winning, you know, there's no such thing as moral victories. Um, you know, like I like we like we said in the first segment, if Arizona had beaten Cal, you feel pretty good about that Washington game, yeah. right? Um, well, you don't feel bad about the Washington game if Arizona beats Cal. Well, yeah, you say, well, that, they lost that a better a, team. Yeah, they they got they they gave a good fight and they didn't win. Um, lost a better know. team on the road. It happens. Yeah, you know, there's and there's some of these upcoming games in the gauntlet stretch are at home, which maybe that makes a difference. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, one of them is now just USC. Uh, well, I mean, USC is at home for homecoming. You know, it didn't didn't matter for Oregon, but also, I, I like I said a couple of weeks ago, I think Oregon might be really good, Adam. I agree. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> like, I think people have been selling them short and just assuming that because Georgia beat the snot out of them in week one, that they're not good. And I think they're actually pretty good. Um, you know, it's, it's going it, to... It, I, I agree with Lev that it's going to be a, it's 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 going to be a rough next three games. You know, I my gut still tells me there's a real chance to steal one of them. Um, I but it's 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 tougher now that we're already kind of you know a large way through the gauntlet, halfway through it almost. Um, what what's what's your take on that? Do you still think that there's a chance for Arizona to steal one of these games, or is the is it is it written in stone? I don't I don't. It's football. It's sports. Nothing's written in stone. But because Arizona, when their offense is as good as it was against Washington, they can be in a game. They can be in any one of these games. You know, if they're in a shootout with USC at home, if they're within a score in the fourth quarter, who knows what can happen in that game? You know, USC's not perfect. They've already lost. You know, like, and they probably could have lost to ASU. And ASU's not any good. And that was at USC. Um, Utah. Yeah, I don't know. I remember back in the day when Arizona always used to be Utah. Not the case anymore. But last season, Arizona was competitive against Utah at home. Now, Rice-Eccles Stadium is different, but just, you know, a worse Arizona team was probably more competitive against a better Utah team. And then UCLA, I think Arizona should have beaten most of the last few years. So, you know, like nothing is written in stone. And if you have an offense that can move the ball like Arizona's did against Washington, you'll have a chance in any one of these games. And then you just need that stop. You need that turn. Maybe it's a fluke one that bounced off a player's hands, you know, or a punt return touchdown, something that works out. And now you could steal one. So, I, yeah, I'm not going to predict it. But I'm not going to say that. I mean, it's total hedging, but I'm not going to say it can't happen because Arizona's not a bad football team. They're just not a complete football team. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest question is going to be, uh, in terms of the next three at least, you know, what adjustments do they make to the personnel? Do they make any tweaks to scheme that make the defense uh, sli- uh, slightly less below average? Is that a is that a faint enough improvement to to suggest, right? Like if they yeah. make them even approaching competence uh, or being disruptive, you know, like like Mike like Michael said, um, you know, uh, when he was quoting Hunter Eccles, you don't have to stop them; you just have to get stops, right? 
and that mm-hmm. means you know a possession or two or three and a break, you know, a forced fumble. And that that works if your offense is scoring every possession pretty much like that's Yeah, but even even against USC USC's defense is not exactly a juggernaut, right? No. Like Arizona's offense should score points on them. Now, if if you're forcing them into, you know, desperation and and Jaden Delora trying to score 18 points on one throw, then then maybe that creates problems, right? Um but you know, I I'm not sure any any I I just don't know what the what the realistic ceiling is for this year's defense. Is it just base competence? I'm not sure. Maybe it's maybe the ceiling is lower than that, right? <laughs> I I like I mean I mean I the, the 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 painful thing is I feel like the defense has looked worse as the season has gone along, and they need to look better, right? And I don't know if changing a few players is going to do that. No, no, and that's 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 the tough part with this because you hope that well one like if it's freshmen you say well they need time to learn the systems they need time to grow up and get into the college game before they can play that makes sense but it's hard to imagine that the answers for getting this defense from dreadful to meh are on the roster right now it's hard to imagine but you know we'll see what the changes make of course there are questions about that defense Brett you know is it the play calling is it the scheme is it the talent on the roster if it's going to get good enough. Let's come back now with Rob Barron. He of Beta Rank. You've probably seen him on the Twitter machine, not being a fan of Arizona defensive coordinator Johnny Danson. Rob, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. It's good to be back. I'm. Uh, I, I, I rarely get to just 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 talk Arizona, so I'm I'm excited to talk some Wildcats. Yeah, like we know you're a U of A guy. You're a fan, and you also do the numbers, which kind of numbers yep. don't lie, other than like depending on like. You know who inputs things, what type of where you put weighting to things, but the numbers themselves are unbiased, right? The formulas could show. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying you are, but either way, I don't Aaron, make decisions on that. Yeah. I actually, um, I in in modeling, I let I like I, it, I'm not arbitrarily deciding we're going to weight this one level or not. I am. Um, the model decides how much we should weight that because it gives the best fit and yeah. it is more most accurate. So what we're saying here is your biases don't matter. But you are a fan of Arizona and having yes. Arizona this season, seeing the numbers from the eye test. I mean, Arizona's won three games. It's three times as many as they won last year. It's like infinity more than they won the year before that. Right. You can't even right. I mean, the numbers can't quantify the times percentage from the year before that. But from the numbers that you see offensively, it seems like they're they're better. They're pretty good. Right. Defensively, they're dreadful, which. I guess we don't need the numbers to tell you that because we also watch them. But like, what do the numbers show that maybe the eye test has not? So uh, Arizona, oddly enough, I mean, so the wins are there, but wins are a product of two things. I mean, well, maybe three things, depending on how you want to look at it. One is like how good you are. Two, how good your opponents are, your schedule, right? And then three, like turnovers and, you know, random things that happen on a football field, right? <laughs> but the... um in the case of Arizona this year, like Arizona is, it, even though like in particular, I think if you're an Arizona fan, getting to watch a competent offense is always more like, I, I, I almost, I don't, I, I feel sorry for Iowa fans, right? Because like watching incompetent offense is just brutal, right? So like getting to watch an offense that is a lot more competent than they were last year, I think is a really good thing, right? Um, and Arizona is about seven and a half points better offensively when they were than from where they were last year, that's a significant improvement, right? I mean, they're at number 42 on offense right now uh, in beta rank. That's like, I, I grade power five programs on a one to 65 scale. 
because I think that's fair. They have very different resources than group of five programs. Um, and Arizona's kind of like on the, a little on the wrong side of the middle in the power five, but like just getting to kind of the middle of the power five is a big improvement over where they were last year. Right. And so that's going to like that as an Arizona fan myself, is like a lot more fun, right? Like getting to watch competent offense that could potentially keep you in a game is a lot more fun. Special teams are about a half point better, which is also, again, like that's a nice improvement, um, for, for the team. What hurts and what's offsetting it is that defense is eight points worse per game. That's brutal, right? And and like for, um, you know, like Arizona has sunk to, they're at 125 right now in beta rank. They're far and away. And it's not just in my numbers, like other advanced stats, like Arizona is far and away the worst defense in the power five. Oh, no, we, we definitely looked for a stats person who has Arizona's defense yeah. being good, and we, we couldn't find one. So no, there's no one. Like, that's why I landed if, on you here today. So if someone, if someone has it, you should immediately question what they're doing. <laughs> um, but they're significant. I mean, like they're, they are cruising towards being one of the worst power five defenses we've ever recorded. And this is after a year last year where they were still quite bad, but nowhere near this bad, right? Like they're, they are trending in an, in an awful direction. And I, and like, honestly, like I say, this is, you know, cause like at this point, you know, like San Diego state is all God awful this year. It turns out they got Colorado who's also awful, right? Like, but everybody has tape on Arizona now, right? Like, I mean, they made Cal look incredible offensively, which is a very, very bad sign because Cal right now offensively sits at 107 in beta rank. They're one of the worst offenses in college football and they rocked Arizona and Nansen had no answers. Well, I guess in terms of that, how much of that is <laughs> talent and how much of that is your personal favorite defensive coordinator and schemer and Johnny Nansen. So I think the, the look at when we look at like who they lost versus last year's team, because they returned a ton of guys off last year's squad who were significantly better defensively is, you know, we didn't lose anyone that's, you know, like an NFL draft pick at linebacker. We mostly returned like the same dudes minus some guys that like, I don't even think got a sniff at the CFL, right? Like it's not like Arizona lost like all world players off of last year's defense. And like minus eight, like, I'm, I'm trying to tell, like, tell like people should be but able that to actually kind of not just say like, yeah, Arizona's you, Rob, defense is that bad last year. Arizona's like, offense, I understand how you know, bad and how much in the forties, the defense is like, they're going to be, and I think that's an important point. Don't go low enough to where Arizona's trending. But for this rebuild, you mentioned how Nancy could become an anchor for this rebuild. I'm wondering the argument now, saying that in my mind, this argument has now become a self Prophecy, right? right like, like so what is Arizona we need better players to get to, better and our assuming the offense continues to progress and there's no reason terrible. to think that this offense is going to take <laughs> so, any monumental like, steps back nancy just doesn't like i, think, I right? i'm what not arguing defense, that arizona would suddenly have a great defense say, you know what arizona is going in the right direction because but there's going to be an you're never going to have but the defense has to put up a fight what is putting up a fight place like he is he has shown himself to be probably the worst defensive coordinator in all of college football and no, and I say this is like no. He, Fish made this hire. No one. He was on no one's radar. You know, like I have, like I have. I'm not. I'm not a journalist. I have people that I talk with in the Pac-12. Everyone, when the Nansen hire happened, they were like, they reached out and they're like, what? <laughs> like, because he was. He was. He, no one, even at a group of five school, was going to give him a defensive coordinator job. So Fish makes this hire, thinking it's going to pay off in recruiting. Okay, but how much does it have to pay off to make up for how bad he is calling plays? And the answer might be like 
Arizona, in order to make this pay off for being eight points worse on the field and being one of the worst defenses in college football, they might need to have like a top 15 class. And if you don't, if you fall short of that, then this is a net negative. Do you, do you think that, um, I mean, I, I would say that's a, that it's, it's, it's somewhat of a hot take in my mind to say that Johnny Nansen is written off in play calling, uh, given there's been six games. Oh, I mean, come on. Like, it's not as if it's like, I mean, what, what should we expect? Oh, no, I mean, I'm just, I'm just what? talking to the stats guy. Is that a sufficient N? Well, now that's a valid point. Like people do improve over time. Um, and sometimes like you have guys that they're actually coming in and really like, so last season, say take Texas, right? Like Texas has great talent. Um, they hired uh, Kwiatkowski, really good defensive coordinator from Washington. Um, and they ended up having to make some adjustments and like get the scheme right. Same thing with Sarkeesian, like great offensive play caller. Like he really had to get guys on board, I think, and bought into the system. Um, that's possible. But like I, I always try to tell people because I mean, I'll give you an example, right? Like so Northwestern, um, their terrific defensive coordinator retired two years ago. Oh, it's Randy. I'm going to forget his last name now. Anyway, he retires. And I, they hire some new guy who's never called plays before. Anytime you get a new play caller, I always try to tell people, like, mileage may vary, right? Like, anytime it's their first time calling plays, like, mileage may vary on how good they are at their job, right? And guys, like, do improve. Casey Dunn got the reins at Oklahoma State as their OC last year. Wasn't great. He's improved significantly this season. I think what worries me with Nansen is that it's not like he came in and like tread water around where Don Brown was. Like the fall off has been severe Um, and that there hasn't been. And I think the guys that watch tape, right, like there hasn't like there aren't there doesn't he doesn't appear to know what the answers are to what the offense is showing him and they're exploiting it. Like the Cal game, right? Sure. Like they're just exploiting him repeatedly. You're going to give up, like, you're going to give up, like, the Pac 12 has a lot of good def- or offenses this season. You're going to have some games where, you, like, Arizona's not going to give up a lot more points than some of the other bad defenses in the league because there's only so many possessions, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, if you had 100 possessions a game, Arizona would give up a lot more points. But since we only have 12, roughly 12, you know, to 14 or so, um, but I like I I would like like I guess what I just like to have people kind of wrap their heads around right is like look fish made this big gamble, and the accountability on it needs to be is like all right like it's clearly not working on the field so far, so what is it like what's the payoff have to be for for us to say that this worked right because like I think the real question and, and the real concern I would have coming into next year is that Nansen comes back yeah because like. Next year, you're suddenly because like this could, if you're an Arizona fan and you want to get excited, like Nansen could be an anchor around this rebuild in the way that like Marcel Yates was kind of an anchor, you know, like Marcel Yates was a terrible defensive coordinator. He hung around for forever. Nobody could get rid of him, right? Like the players wanted to keep him even after two years of evidence that he was a bad DC, right? <laughs> well, but even even the the play calling, I want to dive into that a little bit because how much how much does a defensive coordinator even really call plays versus have have guys set up in the position in their scheme to to react oh a ton a ton like there's a reason like just take the market like so my background's in economics right like really good defensive coordinators make more than really good offensive coordinators even though offense like like the Steve Sarkeesians, Ryan Days, Lincoln Riley's of the world, like put up monster offensive numbers these days. You'd throw in uh, Josh Heupel in there now too. 
Um, but there's a scarcity of like great defensive coordinators in college football. And so they're often really well paid, um, but they matter considerably. Um, take a guy like Brent Venables, like Clemson never since 2017 offenses have been up in college football for the most part, with a little bit of an exception last season. The reason Clemson was still able to compete was because of Brent Venables. Like he put up monster defensive numbers at Clemson. Um, and I'm not like, I'm not arguing. I mean, like take again, like a, a team that like doesn't have a lot of talent, Oregon state, they've had a huge defensive turnaround this season under a new defensive coordinator. Like the personnel didn't change. Right. It's not like they got a bunch of dudes. Oregon State barely goes into the freaking transfer portal. Right. Like they don't they don't recruit monster classes. They have a defense that is a ton better than Arizona's because they got a guy that knows what he's doing. Yeah, I get I, I, I think the Arizona fans are maybe also realizing how undervalued Trayvon Mason and Mo Diallo were last year, because how much how much better does the scheme look if Jalen Harris is disruptive in the backfield when he's just he's fine. Right. <laughs> I mean, that helps. I mean, again, like, again, though, like we're not I don't think any of those guys would be guys that like PFF had graded like with a massive grade week in, week out. Like they were they were good guys for Arizona. Right. Like they might not stop. They might not start at like the top 40 power five programs in college football, though. Um, and that's where like I kind of like. It's not like Arizona had a bunch of world. Like, Don, but Don, like, but like, let's be gone. Like Don Brown with the exception of like one really bad year at Michigan was for the most part considered one of the better defensive coordinators in college football. Right. Like, and I think if he had, I mean, it's unfortunate of course for Arizona that he gets offered a job chance to go home, basically Massachusetts be the head coach at UMass again. Um, Because if he's back this year, I mean, Arizona would be, we'd be talking about this stretch where Arizona's in now and with the offensive improvement, we're talking about Arizona maybe like having a game where they get a couple turnovers and they get an upset. And now instead it's like, oh, we're just kind of looking at this and like, oh, we're just going to get our we're just going to get our brains beat in. <laughs> you know, that actually kind of leads me to one of the things I wanted to ask you, Rob, is that Arizona's offense, you know, you mentioned about they're in the 40s. The defense is like they're going to be your ratings probably don't go low enough to where Arizona's trending. But for this rebuild, you mentioned how Nansen could become an anchor for this rebuild. But I'm wondering. Like no one's saying that Arizona has to become Desert Swarm, right? Part two, right? Like, so what does Arizona's defense need to get to? Assuming the offense continues to progress, and there's no reason to think that this offense is going to take any monumental steps back going forward. I would think so. Like, what kind of defense? Where does this defense need to fall? Be, be to say, you know what, Arizona is going in the right direction because you know there's going to be an offense first team, but the defense has to put up a fight. What does putting up a fight look like? So I mean, like, I mean, it's tough. So like last season, what Arizona was really good at was. Um, avoiding giving up yard, like they they gave up slightly more um, like points than they did yards, right? Like so, Arizona's drive efficiency number, like they could give up some longer drives, and some of it's like the offense often left them with like really poor field field position, right? Like the offense was really bad last year too. But the you know like they like Don Brown, like he found ways to get off the field. You know, like, and they forced, in particular, like, a lot of three and outs last year. Like, that's good coaching. Like, you're forcing a ton of three and outs. Like, Don Brown came, came like, when the offense had the ball for however short a period they kept it, <laughs> you know, like, Don Brown was scheming and coming up with a plan for the next series. 
And the Arizona forced a lot of three and outs. And that helped. I mean, that really helped the team. But that was really what they were best at last season. They were number 35 in negative drives last year. And negative drives is a cat, like is is estimating how good a defense is really at forcing three and outs and turnovers. Arizona forced almost no turnovers last season. That's a ton of three and outs, right? Like by that defense. They're this season, they have fallen off significantly in that number. Um, you know, and they're at 125. I mean, that's a massive fall off, but like they've got to get better. I mean, like I would like to see and what you often see with units that are on the cusp of improving. And I really thought Arizona's defense might be on the cusp of improving before Don Brown left last season is like, they were really good at limiting yards and they were less good at limiting points. And you often see this with like offenses too. And you see this with Arizona's offense this season. They're really good at explosive plays. They are really good at um, their yards per play, controlling for opponent and field position comparatively. Um, they don't have – now, they do need to work on their their three and outs. That, I mean, they have consistency problems. Like, But that's where you start to see, like, offenses and defenses that are on the cusp of kind of figuring it out are, like, doing some things well, but most of their problems come with, like, consistency and execution. And that was Arizona's defensive problems that last year. This year, they're not stopping yards. They're not – doing a lot of anything right right and like so no problem with consistency this yeah oh they're just right? consistently yes like, <laughs> like it's easier to figure but like that's i mean if you're going to flip it around and talk about the offense and like talk about what they need to improve on right is like um you know they're they sit right now they're at number they're at number 99 at drive efficiency so they're really struggling to like sustain drives and and, and turn drives into points where they mostly put up points is they have big plays support as a part of their drives. Like, so right now they sit at number 15 and explosive drives. That's a great number, right? I mean like that, that shows an offense that's like figured out how to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers and make big plays, but really good offenses also put together drives. <laughs> and so like yeah. that's, but like, this is what like Texas looked a little bit like last year offensively like they were good at putting up yards they were less good they, they would find ways to shoot themselves in the foot and not not finish off a drive um and some of this is like and you guys have watched let's like so it's like arizona right now is a is a pass heavy team like they're at number 13 an effective pass they're at number 100 an effective rush but jetfish doesn't really have a short passing game like almost all the routes are like 10 yards down the field Right. <laughs> like, and if you don't have a run game, I kind of feel like you should have a short passing game, <laughs> you know, like the old West coast offense where like, and, and that's where like, I kind of think fish needs to think through what he's got. Cause like Ryan day had this problem. Like Ryan day's ideal Ohio state offense is like the 2019 version or maybe this year's version where they're really able to run the football. And then most of the passes are option routes that are deep down the field that are keyed off the running game. Like Fish is running a lot of stuff deeper down the field, but like he doesn't have the running game quite to set that up. And so you do find instances where teams kind of figure that out and they're sitting back, you know, in zone. And Arizona's receivers aren't necessarily getting open 10 yards down the field because that's where all the routes are getting run. Um, and some of it too is like, and maybe he could help out Delora because like Delora's, I mean, we're in the, we're in the days of like, I mean, it's, it sounds crazy to say, cause like you and I, like all of us are old enough to remember like when quarterbacks completed like 56% of their passes and were thought good, <laughs> you know, like, like you complete 56% of your passes. Now you're on the bench, you know, unless you're at Iowa or something. Um, now like Delora, he's sub 65% completion percentage. That's rough, right? Like you're not, you're not going to sustain drives if you're completing like, and some of that is that he's, <laughs> he's being asked 
to consistently throw the ball further down the field without much of a short passing game <laughs> beyond, you know, like wide receiver screens and the occasional, you know, tunnel screen or something like that. But like, I mean, I think like, I genuinely think there's real reasons for positivity. Like, and if, from where Arizona's at right now, like if the offense improves next season, like there's nowhere for the defense to really go, they'd be a better team. But like if, if Arizona's goal is to get to like eventually eight or nine wins or like, you know, dare we dream of a Rose Bowl, you're, you've got to get a new TC in there, right? Like you got to just, you got to get some, like, it's like when people would say like Clay, like Clay Helton having the USC job, right? Like no other power five program is giving Clay Helton the job. And somehow he has the USC job, right? Like, don't hire the don't don't be the like don't hire the guy that literally no one else will hire, unless it's I mean unless you like are hundred percent sure he can nail it, right? Like I mean you could flip that around and say like I mean Pete Carroll and yeah that worked. I mean, but generally like minimizing risk. I know. wonder, like you mentioned though, there's not that many good defensive coordinators out there. That's why they get paid really well. Arizona, I mean, who was the last other than Don Brown for the year, and he was fine. You know, I like Don Brown. I would yeah. be happy with him coming back. Like Paul Rhodes before him was probably fine. He was experienced, but he wasn't anything special. Like if you're Arizona, if you look at it, say if you're Jed Fish, you're hiring for that job. Don't you kind of have to take that, you know, dart throw and be like, okay, this guy is an ace recruiter and he might be able to grow into the defensive coordinator job because Arizona's probably because Don Brown had the history with Jed Fish. And that's why Arizona got right. Arizona's not getting a Don Brown that normally right. so like isn't that kind of like maybe it doesn't work out it's very likely it won't work out with Manson but if nothing else does it make sense that fish like he kind of had to go that route right like who was out there that would have come to Arizona been like that's the defensive corner that guy is the one that Arizona is going to ride with who's going to be here and turn this thing around right I mean so like what I would like I would have hired one of the group of five guys like there are always guys that are putting like right now Tulane's defensive coordinators having a terrific year Western Kentucky's defensive coordinators having a terrific year Colin plays there are guys out there that Arizona could get and Arizona didn't go get the I mean like Jed Fish made made a bet right like he made a bet and he's not wrong like you think of it like a like I like to describe it as like a, a cook right like if you have like Sometimes you could be like Lance Anderson at Stanford is a bad cook. He has great ingredients. Stanford has great recruits. Stanford's defense is terrible and has been for the last eight years because Lance Anderson sucks at Colin plays, <laughs> you know, like, and he's going to like David Shaw is not going to get rid of him. Like it's just going to keep going. But the, like you, you want to have like Don Brown is a very good cook and he got the most out of what an Arizona's ingredients were. And I, you, it's sort of like you have, it's like both constraints can hold, right? Like your defensive coordinator has a, like a, a positive and a negative constraint on there. And so does your talent, right? Like you're not going to outcoach your talent, but like, man, Kansas state has a top 10 defense right now. Like you def, they definitely found and developed players. Same with Illinois. They found and developed players. They also have a terrific defensive coordinator, but like if, if, Arizona, if I was Arizona, like I understand, like, I want to just say, like, I understand Fish's gamble. Like, I understand the gamble that you need to, like, fundamentally change the personnel constraint. But, <laughs> like, you were, like, you also had to hope that you didn't realize the significant potential downside. And I think at this point you have, <laughs> right? And that's, like, that's, and that's where, like, I just kind of, like, what I kind of wonder at here is, like, 
with fish is like, and we saw maybe you like, I personally, I felt last year he was stubborn about Gunnar Cruz, who clearly was the worst quarterback on the team. Yeah. He um, wanted Cruz to be successful and, more than he was. Yeah. I mean, cause Cruz, Cruz is like the guy that like gets drafted in the first round of the baseball draft because he's like big and hits dingers. And they're like, we, his body's projectable, right? Like he looks like a quarterback, right? Like, whereas everybody else on Arizona's roster didn't necessarily, um, but he was like, I mean, like that Colorado game was, he was unwatchable. I mean, it was, I mean, before he got hurt. And I kind of feel like what concerns me here is like, I don't think Fish really has a backup plan for this season. And I, it bums me out because I think player, like everybody's like saying like, oh, we got to get better players. We got to get better players. I'm like, like, don't get me wrong. Like Arizona doesn't have like a, a bevy of like amazingly talented players, but they're better than this. Like these guys could be better than this with better coaching. And I, I mean, I manage people uh, in my day job and you owe it to the, like fish owes it to the players to have accountability on his staff too. Right. And to not just have everybody turn in and like punching the player, punching down on the players when he made this bad decision that put them in this position. That's what like, it personally, that's what sort of irritates me about this conversation about Arizona's defense is like, I don't, these guys are not going to be like a top 50 defense in college football. No way, but they could be a lot better than this. You're not angry with them. You're just disappointed. Rob Bowron. I'm very, I'm very disappointed. Like I'm a little disappointed at first that you didn't have like a backup plan, right? Like you made this huge gamble. Like, you know what? I'm, I think I'm a pretty smart person, but like I make mistakes and I better have an idea of what I'm going to do. Can you, can you, can you tell by that last comment that Adam is a new father? That's true. I don't have time to be angry or disappointed. if he's eight days old. I, I talk about the, uh, like the model, right? Because people get mad because they're like, they're like, when they want wins and losses to count more in. And I get drive level data on every now FCS and FBS game. Um, but I'm like, the model doesn't care if you win or lose. It cares how you play. <laughs> right? Like, it's like your dad, you know, like it, it cares how you play the game. It doesn't care if you get the right answer on the math test. It wants you to show your work. And of course, Arizona. I right. Mean, again, the eye test, yeah. well, three wins is better than one win, which is better than zero wins. Yes. Obviously, offense makes. Like a pretty offense can kind of cover up something. It's like, oh, they're keeping up. This is fun. They're competitive. But of course, right. with a slightly better defense, some of these competitive games are victories. And ideally, Arizona turns the corner, if not this season or by the last week of the season, then next year. And whether that means right. it's a new defensive coordinator, which who knows? I, Fish doesn't strike me as a type of guy who will get rid of Nansen after one season. But then again, Fish also is trying to rebuild this program. And if he notices that there's an issue there, maybe he does make a change. But I guess time will tell i know i know what rob's hoping for <laughs> i mean can you imagine going out there like i mean because I mean, and here's a question like do you guys think that nansen will eventually lead to people negative recruiting arizona because like i, I mean I, at some point like listen like there's a there's a definite bias in the nfl draft towards guys that play on good teams why because those guys that play on good teams have tape of them doing smart things because they are put in a position to do smart things I, <laughs> you know like, i think there's a i think there's a one year uh grace period there where the plenty of good playing time available works for one year for recruiting yeah yeah i mean it, like recruiting is very often about relationships too right um I just, I mean, it's just like, I want, I mean, I just, I, I, I'm concerned, right? Like, and I, like, and I, that's what, like, I'm kind of 
I'm interested, like, because again, and again, like, I want people to quantify it, right? If you're like, listen, like, this is going to pay off in recruiting, like, well, tell me how much, because yeah. I have an answer on how much this is not paying off on the field, right? Like, there's a balance, right? And if Arizona can strike the right one, if they can recruit the hell out of that defense, then maybe it'll be enough to make up for Nansen or what Nansen's where his nose are. <laughs> recruit the hell out of the defense yeah. and then give Johnny Nansen like a big see you later paycheck and hire a good defense. <laughs> if that's the plan, like, I mean, that sucks for the players this season that had to suffer through this. And, like, your sacrifices will be always remembered by us Arizona fans. But <laughs> With that dose of sunshine, Rob Bauer, and you can find him on Twitter, <laughs> at beta rank, beta underscore rank, underscore FB. Of course, he's a, one of those mathematician, data scientist type people. The numbers don't lie. They're not biased. The numbers don't have an opinion. And sometimes we don't like them. But, you know, that's because math sucks. So, you know, it has nothing to do with Rob's system. Oh, oh man. Yeah. No? Math, math is all around us, my friend. Like, I... <laughs> it's omnipresent. It's... Yeah. Anyway, Rob, we appreciate the time. And we'll, we'll catch up with you down the road. Maybe Arizona's defense will move up a little bit in the rankings by the end of the season. Right? It's, it's, there's still time. I'm crossing my fingers. It's been like a steady downward spiral as more data has come in. Like, the Cal game was particularly uh, bad. Because Cal, I mean, like, UNLV held Cal to 20 points. <laughs> <laughs> well that's arizona football for you rob thanks for the Great. time we'll, we'll catch you down the road so let's take one more break and when we come back our final thoughts on arizona football heading into the game against usc so thanks again to rob bauer and brett you know we talked to michael lev we talked to rob bauer and of course they each have different perspectives on what is a bad arizona defense the why and i guess the we don't have the alternate universe to see maybe with a more experienced defensive coordinator, what they like, what Don Brown would do with this defense. Like, I understand where Rob's coming from. I tend to lean more on the Michael Lev side of better players will cover up a lot of these ills. But then again, that's sports. Better players can make up for bad coaching, whereas maybe better coaching could make up for bad players. You know, which one is Arizona most likely to have at this point? Probably better players. Yeah, and I mean, I think the the secret sauce that we're not talking about is the ability to develop some of those yeah. players, right? You know, like. Parashand hasn't quite panned out on the field so far like we maybe thought he could in the spring. Um, uh, you know, some of the other guys on the D-line, you know, I think Eccles has been fine. Jalen Harris has been fine, but not necessarily disruptive. You know, uh, Jalen Harris hasn't even gotten on the field. Um, yeah. And guys like Tyler Martin, and maybe, you know, moving to a different position. There's, you know, there's, there's maybe talent waiting in the wings, but they're just not physically ready. Like, you know, look at Russell Davis. He's you know, rail thin, but if he, he might be our best pass rusher, you know, a year from now, if he's disruptive, does that make Johnny Nansen a better play caller? Uh, no, <laughs> but like <laughs> if you have a guy that's, you know, getting eight hurries a game and a, a sack per game uh, by himself, you know, that's a different thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where they're at. Of course, Arizona's defense is not likely to look too good over the coming weeks. It's USC this week, then at Utah, at UCLA versus Washington State and versus ASU. Uh, Brett, we normally, like I mentioned earlier, we normally preview this week's game and we try to bring on someone to talk about Arizona's opponent. Uh, number 10, USC. I don't know if there's much to talk about. They are good, really good. Um, they're coming off a loss. Of course, Arizona has their bye week, you know, and they're playing a team that also is coming off a bye week. So Arizona's going to get that benefit of perhaps being slightly healthier than their opponent. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think Arizona wins this game. <laughs> like I'm working on my prediction for AZ does storm. I got USC like 48, 31. Um, Arizona's defense may put up a fight at some point this season, but it's hard to imagine it coming this weekend. 
Yeah, the score that comes to my mind is 49-34, which is, I guess, hot take. It's like pretty much aligned with what the spread is. Um, Yeah. You know, I think the the path to success in this game for Arizona to have a chance of winning is they have to be very clean and efficient on offense. They need to score touchdowns, not kick field goals. They do not turn the ball over. And bluntly, I think that, you know, defense or special teams needs to make a difference in terms of, you know, stealing a possession or two. Oh, Arizona needs a couple of extra possessions and they need to be basically perfect when they have the football. Yeah. And, right. and maybe, and maybe the, you know, homecoming magic can happen. Um, I'm skeptical, but I'm hopeful. <laughs> That's, that should be probably how everyone should approach the next few games. Skeptical, but hopeful. You yeah. Know? And the important thing too, and now depending on how you view what's gone on this season, of course, you know, if you look at it as a positive, like I remember writing a couple weeks ago that, you know, they could lose these next five games, or I think this is before the Oregon game, and it doesn't actually change that, hey, things are, have gone pretty good this season. You know, but it depends on what your expectations are, what kind of bar you've now set for this program and for this team. Obviously, if they beat ASU to end the season, people are going to be happy with four wins and beating ASU. Like, no one's going to complain about that. But there's a few games that have to happen before then, and of course, there's no guarantee you beat ASU. So, yeah, this is not going to be an easy game against USC. It's four o'clock. I'm at Arizona Stadium on Pac-12 Network, but, you know, it's a chance to play a really good opponent, a chance for Arizona's offense, which has been pretty good, to maybe go against a defense that isn't very good. Like, USC's defense isn't that good, but their offense is very, very good, and I imagine they're they're not too good defense. is still better than Arizona's abysmal defense, which is kind of, you know, it's USC. They're more talented. <laughs> hot, hot take. Yeah, yeah. It's been that way for a little while now. So, so hopefully Arizona competes in that one. But yeah, I don't think either of us have them winning. Um, As we wrap up here, Brett, I know Pac-12 basketball media days have been happening. We'll talk. We'll get into basketball in the coming weeks, of course, as the seasons get closer. Um, Arizona has a couple of first team members, some second team members. So that's that's nice. Um, anything else? Anything else we need to talk about? Um, I was just going to say, in terms of the basketball thing, I'm also really excited to see the ladies' team uh, start to hit the court because there is talent and depth. So much talent on that team that, like, I am hella intrigued to just watch how they play. Yeah, well, definitely, we'll bring in some guests to help preview Arizona basketball men's and women's because both those seasons stand to be pretty, pretty good. Um, with excellent head coaches building off of what they've accomplished last season. Brett, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, you know, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Um, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify. Make sure you subscribe to us. And if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and review. And we will read that review on the show, no matter if it's good or bad. Or I guess there's no, is there an in between? It's like, yeah, they're fine. You know, I guess we'd read that too. Seems like I, believe, good I, believe, I believe the kids would call that mid. Mid? Yeah, so your review could be good, bad, or mid, and we will read that on the air. <laughs> Once again, thanks to Michael of the Arizona Daily Star and Rob Barron from Beta Rank talking to us about just their perspective on Arizona season and what's gone right, what's gone wrong, and where things are going in the future. Yeah, we'll talk about Arizona football, basketball, all the things happening with Arizona Athletics next week. But until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>